This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mode Kings Mellow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host Dean, flying solo this week, but fear not, I've roped into the biggest names in the Chelsea women content creation universe. Uh, the first is the face of Chelsea FCW in India, an interviewer to the stars is Radha Gupta. Radha, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me. I'm doing all well. Yeah, it's very late where you are, so we're grateful for you staying up. Um, I know I wouldn't be at this at your hour um, if it was that time. Um, second on the show is the brains behind the CFCW social, Rob Prattley. Rob, how are you doing? Welcome back. Uh, I'm very good, thank you. I'm not sure about, you know, we're certainly one of the biggest styles is here. I'm not sure I qualify for that mantra, but thank you very much. No, the CFCW social is definitely up there. Um, no YouTube interviews yet with some stars, but you know, we can't all be as successful as, yeah. as everyone else. No interviews we can broadcast yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we get started, I just want to shout out to Mark, Kate and Duncan for jumping on our Patreon. We really appreciate the support. If you want to join them, you can do so via www.patreon.com forward slash went to Mo Kings Meadow and we can't hold it off any longer. We need to look back at Chelsea's 1-0 defeat away to Reading, which took place this past Saturday, 11th of December at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Funky name. Um, we used to call it the Majeski. Um, but there you go. Um, the lineup was the SCL. Bit... Yeah, the, the SCL to the locals. Okay, well, they call it what they like. We're going to call it Hell on Earth uh, for now. Uh, the lineup: Musovic, Bright, Carter, Eriksson, Cuthbert, Spence, Liverpool's, Anderson, Fleming, England, and Kerr. Substitutions were Penilla Harder, Frankovi, and Guru Wrighton at half time for Anderson, Spence, and England. Neve Charles came on for Carter in the 72nd minute and then G came on for Jesse Fleming. In the 77th minute, that left Bergen, Newen, Ingle and Fox as unused subs. Stats, we had Chelsea with 77% possession to Reading's 23%. Chelsea had 34 shots to Reading's 4, 5 on target to Reading's 1. Corners, 10 to Reading's 3 and 12 Chelsea fouls to Reading's 8. 
Uh, Rob, I'll come to you first. Thoughts on the lineup, sort of as it drops, sort of your live reaction to it? Because there were some um, changes I probably wasn't expecting. Yeah, I, I really didn't like some of it. And I, firstly, I really didn't like the change of goalkeeper. And this will sound a little odd, but I think with the run of clean sheets that the team were on, I don't like changing winning formulas. And I understand there was an aim to try and give Musovic some minutes, but I, I think it's poor to do that, especially against a team like Reading, where we knew exactly how they were going to play. They were going to be direct and very physical. Um, I was surprised that Nguyen didn't come in. That said, if you were going to make change, I was surprised you didn't bring Nguyen in, in, into the back three for some energy and also due to the fact that I think he's physically more imposing than Jess Carter. Um, and I think that was something that it told certainly at times. It did pick on Carter's lack of physicality, especially when playing the longer pass forward. Um, I think it's fair to say that the midfield didn't really work. And I think that was one of the main reasons why, you know, dominating possession is great, but it didn't really ever lead to any sort of chances. And I think if you're going to play with that sort of style of fluid front three, you needed Beth England through the centre and far too often she was out on the wing. I mean, I think Beth England at the moment is in a real quandary in her sort of Chelsea career because I think she ultimately, and I've said this to a couple of people, she needs to make a decision now. She wants to be a bit part player coming off the bench or moving on because I don't think at the moment she's going to start as a striker and I don't think she's good enough to play in off the wing. Yeah, rather carrying on the Bethany England theme because I feel like Emma's picking her and then asking her to be Frank Kirby or be Sam Kerr and she's not, um, which is no disrespect to her, but we're not really using her like we did in the past. Does that make sense? What did you make of her performance and the team in general? Yeah, I think just echoing Rob's words there, um, England is the out-and-out striker and we know that Sam has sort of taken her place and I didn't expect to see too much creativity from her end and we didn't see it. I did expect harder to start just because um, she started of easing her way back in after injury. She got a few minutes um, in the FA Cup at um, the Juventus game as well. And I just expected that you need creativity. Kirby's on the bench. You get harder in there and see how that works out. If she's still not 100%, you sub her out maybe, but start her off there. And having England and Kerr both up top sort of were butting heads a little bit. It was more of just get it in the box and, you know, one of them will touch it or put it in. And um, we've seen now that that doesn't really work. You need a bit of creativity on both sides. And I think Jonas had mentioned after the FA Cup that Chelsea really stretched the game out wide and that's what mm. helped them a lot. And having... England and Kerr up top, the, the game was very much towards the midline and not laterally stretched out. And I think that cost us too. Yeah, we'll get into Chelsea's attacking play in a bit. I think the midfield too has played a couple of times together and, and looked quite good against lesser opposition, it has to be said. And we've seen them in a, not a big game, but a bigger game and it didn't work. And I don't think we're going to see that again anytime soon. Um, There's a bit of mix and match really. She changed, but didn't really change didn't change the right style of play during the game to to counteract Reading's tactics. And, and Reading got their their goal and their game plan right in the fourth minute. Deanna Rose running through the middle of the pitch and Chelsea dropped deep. Carter stepped out too late and they get their goal that they, they're going to want. I don't think they mind when they scored it, but they got it in the fourth minute. And Rob, that was just a, a disappointing goal for Chelsea to concede. It's not usually something you see happen to Chelsea straight through the heart of them. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. I think, again, this is where I, I, I think the big issue, and I, I've said this you know numerous times, I will make no qualm in saying it, Chelsea look a much, much worse side when Sophie Inga was not on the pitch. 
And so often the side concedes sloppy goals. It was the same as Arsenal on the opening day. It was the same earlier in the season when we were conceding silly goals. Um, same against Wolfsburg in the UWCL in the opening game. Sophie Ingle not being on the pitch correlates with silly moves through the middle. And I think when you play Liverpool's and Spence, I don't think Spence is a proper defensive midfielder. I don't think Melanie Liverpool's has been asked to play that role. I think she's been asked to play box to box. I think this is where you saw the issue of that if you expose that weak situation where you have Liverpool who likes getting forward, Anderson who likes who I think at the moment is struggling a lot uh, just in general. I don't think she's come back, you know, from the Olympics. In all honesty, I think there's still still a hangover from that and from last season. Magda, who I thought had a poor game as well, and I think she's struggled at times. And Jess Carter, who I think does struggle in the middle of the back three. And when you expose that part of it, it sort of really shows. I think if you compare that to, say, the other half of it, where you normally would have Bright, Cuthbert and Ingle, I think they've all been really, really solid this season. Um, And I think that's where more and more teams are going to look to try and expose, is down that left-hand side. Because even when Wrighton is in there, Wrighton is not the most defensively astute player, and I don't blame her for that, because she is very much an attacking player. But then you're relying on Ericsson, Carter and the other midfielder to do the defensive spay. And if Melanie Leopold is going to be, you know, halfway up the pitch, you need the other player to be dropping in. And I don't think Drew Spence is that sort of defensive midfielder either. No, the goal wasn't a very good look for her, that's for sure. Mm. Um, that was the goal that Reddin wanted, but the fact that it came after sort of five minutes meant that Chelsea had 85 left to play, um, expecting them to come back into the game. So, although we did concede, you sort of thought, well, OK, it's still early on and we can go on and get something from this game. Never really panned out that way, did it? No, and I think the numbers that you read out at the beginning, you know, just um, prove testament to that. We had possession, we had the corners, we had the passing, we had everything going for us, but we lacked creativity. We lacked a bit of chemistry on players who, um, as Rob mentioned, maybe still trying to find their footing in this new season, right? And as uh, as Rob mentioned, you know, you can have wing-backs that maybe are not the most defensive, but then if you attack well enough, you counter and you neutralize the people in front of you. And um, we didn't see Anderson do that too well. So, you know, it was just a pretty much an open space then. For Reading, you know, uh, they scored in the fourth or the fifth minute. It took us only four minutes to miss Sophie Ingle, as Rob yeah. mentioned. And I think <laughs> that's pretty much testament to how important she is um, in that midfield for us. But look, you know, as you mentioned, 85 minutes, we, we definitely should have got a few more goals back in there. And um, it's a shame that didn't happen. It's a wake-up call. And it's, I mean, there are reasons for it. I don't think there's any excuse for it. Um, mm. I think that that's the difference. Yeah, Rob, and a quote from Emma, and I want to sort of expand on it a bit, where she says, um, we weren't at our best, we did give an opportunity to other players, and I don't think we impressed in the way we should have. Mm. Um, if you look at the team, there's only really Spence, England and Anderson that, that don't really play yeah. often. You know, Fleming's come into the team, and Musovic, obviously a goalkeeper, so it's a bit different for her. Everyone else sort of plays week in, week out. They had another 45 minutes where they brought on Kirby, Harder and Wrighton. So they had half a game. Is it too easy to lay the blame at the door of those three that don't normally play? Uh, I think there's three sort of parts to this. Firstly, I agree you, you know, Zakira Musovic, I don't think you can blame her for the goal. I don't think the sides actually had anything else to do. Um, I, you know, I think it's unfair to sort of single her out because I don't, I can't remember Reading even managed to have a shot on target. In the end of the day, that's irrelevant as to whether they did or not because they ultimately got the only shot on target that matters. Um, I think certainly of the sort of players that are starting there. I know some of them have been before have been in the press and said like, you know, we want to be playing more and we want to play more minutes and 
you know, national team managers come out and said, why isn't X playing? Why, why playing? I think that this, you know, if you're going to go out and do that and be brave as a player to do that, you need to then back it up with performances on the pitch. And I don't think they achieved that the other day. I will also say that as much as like, you know, I want to sort of be, I think it's important to say Emma Hayes shouldn't solely um, lose the blame here because I think Chelsea, this was the perfect sort of game, especially going down early on, to change formation, to go to that four at the back and to play the 4-3-3 and to try and play a more fluid system, maybe even play a 4 Three, one, two, and put Fleming in behind the two strikers and move them more central. So I think that yeah, you know, an element of Emma Hayes' tactics have to be questioned because, and it is a bit of a recurring theme this season of that when things are going well, it's great, but when things are are not going as well, there is a real struggle, and you see it a little bit as well with um, Chelsea men with Thomas Tuchel of changing things around mid-game when the team are sort of losing. Now, ultimately, this is one of those things that I think at the same time Emma Hayes is a fantastic manager. But I don't think she is the best manager in the world. And I have said this before. Um, and in terms of the best tactician, I don't think she's the best tactician in the world. Um, because I think in this sort of game, there's an opportunity to neutralise it. What I will say, and I think it's important to note, is that I think Reading deserve a massive, massive amount of congratulations. That I, I said after the FA Cup game, Chelsea didn't get enough credit after the FA Cup final beating Arsenal. So much was taken down to Arsenal deficiencies, not given how well Chelsea played. In this game, the story shouldn't so much be about how poorly Chelsea played. It should be about Reading getting the tactics spot on. I think going for the 3-4-3 was a great decision. It meant that they neutralised. Having the extra wing-backs in there meant you could neutralise the attacking play, pushing people into the middle. You had Rose, who was sort of pretty much everywhere. Eichland and Peplo, who made that midfield three. I know Rose was playing in the front three, but she did drop back in. I thought Evans and uh, Van Havermeer was superb. Um, and neutralising Sam Kerr's threat. What frustrates me, I think, the most from a Chelsea perspective is that Reading have a top goalkeeper in Grace Maloney. And if it had been a case like some of the games I've seen, where like the Juventus game midweek, for example, where Pedro Magnon had a unbelievable sort of game against Chelsea and single-handedly kept them out, and sometimes you just have those sort of games, I'd be m- more sort of content with losing a game like that where you can look at it than a game like this where I think it was, what, 34 shots, did you say, and six on target? I mean, that f- five on target. Five, yes. That's a five. That is not acceptable. I'm sorry, that's just so, so sloppy and poor. I mean, that, that's nearly one in seven of the efforts are going, uh, you know, on target. So out of seven efforts, you're putting six off target. Now, if you're doing that, and if we do that against Wolfsburg on Thursday, it'll be good night Vienna. Because Wolfsburg will go at the other end, they'll have two chances and they'll take one of them. And I think this was a real, real wake-up call in that regard, that it's all right to dominate a game. It's, you know, fantastic if you dominate a game, have 10 corners, have, you know, 77% percent but ultimately, if you're not sticking it in the net, it's irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely agree. Especially on, you know, in terms of the goalkeeper, I know we had five on target and I think Evans cleared off the line twice. I don't remember Maloney making one good save. Mm. You would say that's a good save by the goalkeeper, that everything she saves is just at her and weak and tame. Um, rather, as Rob said, you know, praise the Reading. They, they executed their game plan fantastically, but... To me, I think we made it easy for them in the fact that, especially in the second half, especially when G was on, it felt like everyone was just in the middle of the box and all we were doing was kicking the ball in there and hoping that Sam Kerr or Harder would head it in and Reading would take that all day long. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, you know, we talked about the, the second 45. We had our 
trifecta up top. We had everyone we wanted to on the field and we, we still couldn't do anything. So clearly um, it was not a lack of players, a lack of talent or whatever it was. It was just Reading having one plan, sticking to that plan. Chelsea being a little rattled, maybe a little confused and whatever the reason was, clearly not being able to um, convert all the shots that they had and leading to more frustration being built up. And eventually, you know, Kelly Chambers has led her side to now, I think, five games undefeated. Gemma Evans had a massive game, I think yeah. seven blocks, nine clearances, two goal line clearances, as we mentioned. I think, you know, she had a big, big part in that defense. But, you know, parking the bus is a strategy. And I respect it. If, if you can pull it off, that's awesome because it's very tough to do. And uh, Reading did that very well. And, you know, credit to them. Chelsea have to take away something from this. Yeah, and, and Chelsea conceding early helped Reading to, to part the bus because they don't have to then go and score because they're already winning and, and Chelsea have to find the answers and and they couldn't. And as you mentioned, Rob, there's no real change to Chelsea's game plan at all, even with Carter going off for Charles. Yeah. It didn't change anything for Chelsea going forward. Um, Rob, anyone for you that comes out of this game of any credit? Um, I thought Erin Cuthbert again, uh, you know, she's probably been my pound for pound player of the season. If you ignore the obvious contenders of Kerr and Kirby, um, I think she's been pound for pound my sort of player of the season. She's been sort of excellent, had a lot of drive and energy at times, which maybe trying to do a little bit too much. But I think you actually can see the impetus of the fact she does try and run with the play and try and go around players and make things happen. And I think far too often, and I've said this, you know, there's two sort of sides you see to Chelsea in a sort of Jekyll and Hyde situation. At times, we try and do too much and try and walk the ball in. Um, you know, against Juventus, there were so many times where Sam Kerr was in the box and she tried to pass it on to give someone a, you know, another chance. I would rather see my centre-forward just shooting in those situations or on the edge of the box. We've seen Melanie Leopold's put them into the top corner before, but passing it on. So you sometimes see that. And then on the other hand, you see situations where instead of, you know, trying to create a shot creating action, it's just going backwards and keeping possession. And far too often, and I think this is one of the issues you have with a back three, is that whenever you have a back three, you've always got a spare player, um, either the sort of outside centre-backs or sometimes the central centre-back. And too often, that means it's far too easy for the wing-backs, the midfielders, or the other centre-backs to just go square. And then if you go square, you're back to the goalkeeper. And by the time you've done that, you know, the other team has got back into position and got set. And I think that's one thing that, you know, it's really, it's a real skill to do in a, in a 3-4-3 stroke, you know, 5-2-3 sort of two, three formation. And I think this is what Reading did perfectly, is to counter-attack effectively and counter-attack quickly. And again, again, a team like Reading is probably, in this regard, Chelsea's sort of kryptonite, because they had a couple of players up front that are quick, strong players that get, you know, a chance one-on-one, and they took the chance. And as soon as they got that chance, it then meant that, those players could drop back in and effectively become extra midfielders when Chelsea have possession, forcing them. They can't go out wide because you've got the wing, the wingers tucking into the midfield, the uh, wing, the midfielders tucking into be wing backs, and you can't go wide. Then you try and go through the middle, and there's no creativity through the middle, and it just gets congested. So it goes back to the back three again. Then you're trying to play Hollywood passes over the top, and they're not always just going to come off. And I think this is that's where I think you see the difference in Chelsea at the moment, say Barcelona. When you watch Barcelona against um, Arsenal, and, uh, and there's no qualms to being you know, worse than Barcelona. I'm not going to say that's some sort of you know, deficiency of the side. But when you see Barcelona play, it's the sheer ability and the fact that whenever they have possession, there's always danger and you're always switched on. Because even if they're just passing it around the back, it's bang, bang, a couple of passes. You saw it with their first goal against Arsenal. 
just keeping it around the back and suddenly two really quick incisive passes. They're on the edge of the box. They're pulling it back. And suddenly, you know, there's a player in there waiting for the tap in. At no point against Reading did we ever look like producing those incisive, quick, quality passes that break a defence down. Yeah, and I think that's got something to do with the way that Emma uses that midfield too, because they're not there to do passing and incisive passing. They're there to, you know, break up play and win second balls from long balls from Millie and Magda. But I think looking into that's probably for another another episode. Rather, I let you come in and say anyone that comes out of the game with credit. But what I also want to just mention briefly is when Chelsea don't score early, they seem to really struggle. And is there everything sort of in their mentality, perhaps, that we should be worried about going forward? Because we see it against um, Leicester when we didn't score early and we really struggled to break them down. And when they get the early goal, it seems to flow. But when they don't, they seem to be a bit tense. Yeah, I think uh, the player I was going to pick out was Erin Cuthbert for, for sure. I think over the week, she's just proven herself one after the one after the other game. And um, I think Jessie Fleming has the ability to be very silent on the field, but um, picks up those loose balls and is usually causing a turnover in midfield. Mm-hmm. So I think credit to her also. And I think I think for Chelsea, I mean, in this past seven days, they've won a massive game. They've drawn an important game and they've lost a game that they probably should have won. So it's obviously, um, you know, been one roller coaster of emotions and everything questions strategies um i mean i think coming out of this week um it seems like chelsea really really have to you know this is the true test of mentality as you asked um you know mentality from fifth minute to the 90th minute um but also after a loss like that going into a, a decider game um which you know determines your place in the champions league going forward again a question of mentality and we have prided ourselves on mentality. Emma Hayes has spoken about mentality over and over again. Uh, we've seen it on multiple occasions, but we've also seen the lack to perform in situations like these, which is worrying because you don't want to just rely on players who obviously are humans, get tired, may get injured, need rest, um, you know, other things like that. And we pride ourselves on a deep bench. It's I think it's about time that our deep bench acts um, like a starting eleven whenever required, right? And I think uh, we we didn't see that over the weekend. We know mm-hmm. that they can do that, but I think Emma Hayes' tactics were a bit off, as Rob mentioned. Just out and out, seeing England and Kurt up there with lack of creativity behind them, um, or lack of experience behind them in Fleming, um, maybe maybe caused us that uh, loss. So you know we'll have to build on that now. Yeah, luckily not too long to wait. Um... Yeah to get over it and two big tests to come. The Obviously, the defeat gives Arsenal the advantage in WSL. Chelsea now four points behind and I think any psychological advantage we got from beating them at Wembley and you know, being a point behind them is now gone. Um, yeah. I'll just read through the result from the weekend. Obviously, Reading 1, Chelsea nil, Brighton nil, Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1, Tottenham 2, Birmingham City 2, Manchester City 3, Everton 1, West Ham 1 and Arsenal 4, Leicester nil. Uh, that leaves the league table looking like this. Arsenal top on 25 points. Chelsea second on 21 points. Tottenham third on 17 points. Brighton fourth on 15 points. Manchester United fifth, also on 15 points. Then you've got Manchester City in sixth and West Ham in seventh and Reading in eighth, all on 13 points. Everton ninth on 11 points. Aston Villa tenth on 10 points. And then splitting the league is Burnham City and Leicester Burnham with one point Leicester bottom with zero points so um, competing for their own trophy Burnham and Leicester right at the bottom um, up next for Chelsea in the WSL are West Ham United but before that we've got a crucial game against Wolfsburg in the Champions League and we're going to preview that after this very short break
Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to Wentzmo Kings Mellow. Time now to look ahead to Thursday night's game against Wolfsburg in the Champions League group stage, where Chelsea need to avoid a defeat by two or more goals to seal their progression to the knockout stage. Uh, Rob, it feels a bit strange to say this, but the game versus Wolfsburg should suit Chelsea a little bit better than Reading? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Wolfsburg, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they need to come into it and need to win. Um, they need to win yeah. to guarantee progression. I think they need a score and draw... <laughs> They need to match, I think, 3-3 or something if they, in order to progress, I've not quite, you know, got to grips of all of the different permutations that are in this new version of the tournament. Thanks, UEFA. Again, not the not the worst UEFA thing this week, which speaks volumes. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it's a game that Chelsea will certainly look at, I think, this year and think we can go there and win. And I think Wolfsburg, because they won't be, you know, trying to part the bus, they themselves will think they can win it in front of their own crowd it will probably suit Chelsea more in that there'll be more space. However, the concern for me again will be if Wolfsburg get an early goal and they're then left in a situation when they can play on the counter-attack because they've got players that are very, very good on the counter-attack. I know Chelsea fans will no doubt be thrilled to hear that Alex Pop has returned um, to training, which, you know, she is uh, one of those players who constantly causes problems um, against Chelsea. She actually did button. I know you're getting that completely wrong. 
oh no, she is still at Wolfsburg, that's good. Yeah. And she's one of those players that continually causes Chelsea problems. Um, so, you know, that will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they do line up from a defensive point of view, I think, because if we'd have been, let's be honest, if we'd have played and finished, and again, finishing and profligacy has been my issue with Chelsea women all season, because there have been so many games we should have won by about, you know, even games we won one or two nil, it should have been five, four, six results. And against Wolfsburg, the home leg, that should have been dead and buried before they even scored. Um, and that is my concern, is the profligacy is going to come and cost the club. Yeah, as Rob said, Roger, Wolfsburg need to win. They need to better our goal difference. So we're plus one, they're minus two. So they need to score two goals and then they'll overtake us in the table. Um, assuming that Juventus win against a vet, um, which they probably will. I can't see anything other than that. So they're going to need to attack Chelsea and that's going to suit us, isn't it? Because then we can play those long balls to Kirby and Kerr, I'm guessing, and harder and get him behind on the counter-attack and play that tap-tap-boom football that, that Emma loves so much to play. Yeah, for sure. I think that definitely suits us more than a team that just sits back all 10 players in the box. Um, I think from the 3-3 matchup in the first leg, we gifted them three goals. I think that's pretty clear. And um, that happened for a couple of reasons. One was Wolfsburg were pressing us. And I think that is one of the downsides of playing a team that plays like you, right? They keep pressing you and one slip up and they will capitalize. And they didn't capitalize just once, but we had three slip ups and, and they scored three goals on us. We sort of snatched a, a late equalizer. Otherwise, the three points were going with them. On the other hand, we have Wolfsburg who lost to Juventus and tied with them. Um, so they haven't defeated Juventus and there you kind of have the balance of both the teams. Juventus were a very gritty team. We also drew with them um, just last week and we, we see that that grit comes out playing versus Wolfsburg as well. So for Wolfsburg, I think they'll be happy playing a team like Chelsea and Chelsea are happy playing a team like Wolfsburg. So it's one of those clash of the titans, Chelsea versus Wolfsburg. It's happened for years past. It's probably going to happen for years to come. Um, but, you know, they had they had Pernilla Harder on the Juventus graphic. So I'm wondering who they're going to have on, on the Wolfsburg graphic this week. But, you know, I think it's one of the matchups that both teams are going to enjoy and both teams are going for the kill. So it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, it certainly will. Rob, expecting sort of the big names in for this one. No surprises for the team sheet. Your Ingles are there. Your Ryans are there. Yeah. Um, your Kirby's are there. Yeah, my only question might be is whether you start Jesse Fleming on the right-hand side of that front three again. Because um, I do think even though she had a poor game against Reading, Fleming's been in very good form recently. But I probably would bring Penilla Harbour back in just for the pure sort of raw star power. I think it is interesting, a thing about Penilla Harder in more general, that I still don't think Chelsea have seen the best of what she can offer. And I think partly that has to come down to Emma Hayes from a tactical perspective. It's now a really interesting few months, I think in that Chelsea have a player that is a, you know, Ballon d'Or level footballer um, and a player that, you know, scored, I think, was it last, a couple of years ago, scored 28 goals in 29 appearances, has an unbelievable record in the UWCL. And yet there have been glimpses and moments when you've seen this real Penilla Harder at Chelsea, but it's not been often enough. And partly that's been because Kerr and Kirby have done so well, and that isn't a problem. But I think in games like this one on Thursday is when it's on the onus is on Emma Hayes to get the tactics right so Penilla Harder can really shine. Because I think if you get the tactics right and you really show off Penilla Harder at her absolute best, then suddenly the game becomes a lot, lot easier for you because you've got that world-class player, you know, in there that is capable of deciding matches on their own. Yeah, I think 
especially last season with that four four two diamond, she sacrificed herself for the for the team in the role that she's played, mm. and f- finding the best role for her is probably Emma's biggest challenge. And we have seen that you know Kerr and Kirby have produced fantastic levels with a little harder in the team. So I think that's interesting to look at. Um, I think the one question rather about this team is that central defensive player. Is it Jess Carter or is it a Nick Nguyen? And I think given a Nguyen's sort of lack of game time since she's been coming back from injury, that Jess will probably get the nod again. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, similar thoughts. I think Jess Carter has, um, especially in the FA Cup, had Miedema sort of under her control for a large part of the game. And um, she's found sort of found her slot in, in that central defensive role. She was initially on the right and left and, you know, leaked a few goals from there. But I think we've got to back her for this one. She's figured out, cemented her partnership with, with the person on the left, with the person on the right. And uh, a decider game like this, I think switching it up to a youngster who's coming back from injury might not be the best thing. So um, I do see Carter starting there. Yeah, I think that's the one one position you might question. But as you said, I think it's going to be Jess Carter again. Um, a quick note on Wolfsburg, currently top of the Frauen Bundesliga, leading Bayern Munich by one point. Last weekend, they played at a one-all draw with Bayer Leverkusen, and they do have some injury concerns of their own. As Rob said, Alex Pop is back in training, but yet to start a game. They have got uh, Payer still out. Uh, Zvenja Hoof is expected to miss the game. Uh, the first-choice goalkeeper, Alma Slut, has been in quarantine and missed the game at the weekend. And van der Sanden has a muscle injury. Um, so, Rob, some, some big names missing for Wolfsburg, but they still have big players available. Um I think we need to be respectful, but not fearful. Uh, would you subscribe to that train of thought? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair sort of comment. I think, you know, missing Aya Pior is a big, big miss. Um, a really, really good sort of striker, someone that is very consistent and also leads the line really, really well. Um, I think, you know, how much should it being out? If you, whenever your first choice goalkeeper is out uh, for a game, it's potentially always, you know, quite massive because it affects the defence. Um, and it sort of causes issues. I don't know if she, you know, her quarantine will be over before the game. But I think, you know, Wolfsburg are in that bracket of sides. I think in European football at the moment, in the Wimbledon game, you have sort of Barcelona and Lyon on their own sort of pantheon where they've got two squads that are quite frankly ridiculous. And you look at every single position and there's about one or two world-class players in every single position. Then you've got the sort of crop of teams beneath that that include us, include Wolfsburg, include Bayern Munich, um, Arsenal, other side, Manchester City, if they could ever get a fully fit squad, um, you know, so maybe next season, um, that have, you know, an unbelievable squad full of maybe five or six world-class players and the rest are very, very good players. But you do notice the deficiencies when they're not around. And I think that's now the gauntlet has to be sort of thrown to clubs like Chelsea, is how do you get to that stage where you have that next level? And I think it's careful squad building and management and sometimes tough decisions are going to need to be made. Because if you look at the Chelsea Wolfsburg squads, they're very, very even, but they're still a long way off Leon and Barcelona. And it's when you now get to the point of you look at positions and you say, well, we've got a good player here, but a world-class player is available. All there is, you know, a world-class option. We can bring them in and then tough decisions need to be made. Yeah, that that is going to be interesting given how Emma sort of deals with the squad and how players fit into the squad's mentality and harmony. And she doesn't like to disrupt that, but... Yeah. Perhaps if you want to reach Barcelona, you want to reach Leon, and maybe not PSG now, but that level, then you might need to change the harmony ever so slightly. Um, 
Raja, Emma will be demanding a reaction after that Reading defeat. Um, so there's not really a better place to go and do that against Wolfsburg to win the group, to get through to the knockout stages and go into that West Ham game full of confidence. Yeah, spot on. And, um, you know, I think with Emma and with the team, they love a challenge like that. And it's very clear they're not going to shy away from it. Um, no better chance to redeem yourself. It's a do or die sort of situation here. And, you know, away from home, no traveling fans allowed. So it is a, a very, very high stress environment and it's just going to test them physically, mentally. And that's what I think um, elite fo football is about. It's the, the moments like this that determine, you know, a good team from a world-class team. And we'll see that on Thursday. Yeah, it should mention really that um, Omicron COVID variant has stopped the any UK citizens flying to Germany for the game. So there's no um, support from the UK for Chelsea. I think there are some fans in Germany of Chelsea that are going to the game. Um, and we saw the fantastic um, you know, crowd they had at Reading and the support they gave the team yeah. didn't help. So maybe them being there won't have much of an impact on the team because they couldn't help them score an equaliser. But there we go. Uh, Let's just speak some predictions into existence then. I'll start with the lineup that I'm expecting to see, and that's uh, Berger, Bright, Carter, Eriksson, Cuthbert, Ingle, Leopold, Wright, and Harder, Kirby, Kerr. Rob, I know you mentioned Fleming, but you think it's going to be harder? Yeah, I, I, think you're probably, I think you're probably right in that. The only change possible would be Fleming into Harder, but I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, uh, Roger, no G, but I know Emma loves her. Could she sneak into the midfield? I think, yeah, we, we do all love her, but uh, we, we need Ingle. I think that's pretty clear. And um, maybe she comes in in the second half if we um, are lacking some creativity or maybe if we've got a goal and we're sort of sitting a little bit comfortable. But I think Ingle starts for sure. We need a little bit of defensive backing there. And uh, Leopold has been in good form, knows, um, knows her role in the team and the team knows what's required from her as well. So I think we, we'll see Ingle and Leopold's. Yeah, and obviously this is what worked against Arsenal and I think the game is going to play out very similarly to that, hopefully. Um, obviously, Fleming started not harder, but I think they're one-for-one, one, sort of a sub. Um, score predictions, who knows? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 to Chelsea, which puts them through. Um, Rob, In what are you thinking? I mean, like the absolute thing I would love is just a boring one nil of you know one chance and then nothing happening for the rest of the game. However, we know this is Chelsea, so I'm going to go for six five to Chelsea. <coughs> six five, and yeah. just some absolute absolute nonsense just happen because you know as soon as I want you know that boring, dreadful you know I wanted it last week against Zenit for the men. I wanted a boring, dreadful one nil with a goal from a set piece, and instead everyone else decided that we couldn't have that. So yeah, six five and the reason why we can't have nice things. Yeah, well, that 3-3 worked out nicely for Chelsea's men's team, drawing Lille not once but twice today in the UEFA Champions League draw. Um, Rada, what about you? 6-5, exciting, or are you going to go a bit more reserved? Yeah, I think a bit more reserved. I'm actually um, going to predict a draw, a uh, 2-2 draw, um, just because why not? You know, we've gone for two, two win predictions here, and I think a draw will still put us through, but it'll keep us on our toes. So I'm going to go 2-1. I hope we see a win but I put my money on 2-2. Yeah, given that we go through, a draw is actually a win because it gives Chelsea yeah. the, the 12th point they need um, to progress. And then we'll have the the draw for this. I don't know when that is. Rob, do you know when that would be? The Monday after, probably? I assume so. It, just in terms of a draw, does a draw guarantee his top of the group or uh, does a draw only guarantee his top of the group if Juventus... No, Juventus, Juventus only get to 11. Five goals. 
You better try eight oh, points so they can get to 11, so we get to 12. Oh, fair enough. Okay, so I'll guarantee to the group. Okay, yeah, that's... Yeah. I assume it will be the week afterwards, although knowing, you know, again, because UEFA may have closed up on Omicron, it may end up being January. I mean, there's a very it's a very limited draw, isn't it, actually, this time around, because teams can't play the same federation and can't play, you know, one another. So in theory, if we finish top, we can't play against, I think, Arsenal, couldn't play against Juventus again. So it'll just be a two-team sort of pot, um, which I think, you know, will be a little bit weird, but, and similar situation with Arsenal. But yeah, I'm, I assume it'll be them. Um, in all honesty, I've lost track of how this new draw is. Well. I believe, are they changing the competition again next year um, in order to sort of expand it even further, which if so, is ludicrous again. Yeah, I think this is going straight to the quarterfinals. So I think they're going to add another mm. round of fixtures um, somehow. Mm. Um, I think they need to do something for teams below the Champions League, but there you go. Um, and they'll probably draw it on a piece of paper out of a hat, you know, old school, because their technology <laughs> is shocking. Um, the less computers used, the better. Um, that's just about all we've got time for for this episode all that's left for me is to thank our guests so uh, Radha thank you for staying up late and for joining us um, where can the listeners find your work and all your interviews with Chelsea captains and more Chelsea players coming up in the future as well <laughs> you almost revealed it there Dean. <laughs> almost. Um, yeah uh, thank you for having me people can find me and a little bit of what I do on She Talks Ball on YouTube Instagram and Twitter and the the Chelsea FCW India stuff, does that go via that channel as well? Yeah, so it goes via my channel. And also, if you're in India, you will see it on the Chelsea FC page. It's sort of geotagged to India. So, um, yeah, for Indian viewers and listeners, they can see it on the Chelsea FC page. Yeah, but it's not sort of country-specific like content for India. Anyone will enjoy the interviews with the players because they open up about their life and about their football. And that's what we like to hear. Um yeah, so make sure you check out the link for obviously that will be in the description. And uh, Rob, good to see you again. It's been a bit too long, but where can the listeners find all your work that you do everywhere? I mean, if they want to hear about my you know one person rants about why Carolyn Graham Hansen should win every single award, it's at RJP Journalism. But as much more interesting Chelsea Women's content, look at, at the CSCW social um, for all of our sort of match day content and all of our excellent Chelsea Women's stuff. And I'll also plug the men's version as well at the Chelsea Social having finally now got our account back from Twitter after a long, drawn-out, four-month battle. Lots of copyrights um, being claimed all over the place, but, yeah, it's all back and running, and make sure you do check it out. Like I said, in the description box for this episode will be the links to both Rob and Roger's um, social media profiles and platforms. Um, also in the description box will be the links for our Patreon if you want to help support the show. Uh, you can do so by signing up there and also the link for our Discord channel. Uh, it's a place where we chat Chelsea FCW and women's football in general pretty much every day and there's lots of people in there having a good time so make sure you come and join us. Uh, we'll be back later in the week to review this Wolfsburg game and then look ahead to the final game of 2021 against West Ham. Um, but until then, Chelsea fans, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.